Oscar Poker. I was thinking about the, um, uh, you made a wonderful analogy which really rang with me, which was that uh, that uh, wokeism is a is a uh, kind of a, uh, religion. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, but it's a very impassioned religion. It's evangelical. Yeah. And I made an analogy several weeks ago to the um, to wokeism as being um, in, in the form of the spirit awards as being branch Davidians. And I was also and that made me leap when you said that into the film Inherit the Wind and all the fanatics in Knoxville in Tennessee. Uh, singing, give me that old type religion. It, it's very similar because they're, they're full of, uh, of fury and rage and God damn it, we're not going to let this happen in our town as this basically yeah. rational, mellow, you know, practical, you know, sensible-minded teacher wants to teach evolution. It's, um, it's, it really is analogous. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying that... Uh, Mark Duplass is, 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 is like people <laughs> don't a, know about the smoke smoky trial, but there's no, a similarity there. Well, sure, because um, you know, for for most of its existence, Hollywood was in the clutches of Christianity. Like certainly after the Hayes Code, right? Because the Catholic, yeah. a lot of Catholic women or religious women were known for like stridently policing art with their clipboards, and, and they wanted to scrub Hollywood of indecency. And so it became yeah. very religious, very religious, very religious in a way that that it isn't anymore. Like you wouldn't have a movie where George Bailey was praying openly to God at the beginning or the townspeople of um, Bedford Falls were praying openly to God and then had those prayers were answered. Right. That's overtly Christian and religion. But. Well, we, he, he prays openly to God at the end. When he, he prays to God. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't want to kill himself he he wants to live again and yeah. he doesn't want to be a non-entity that's i that's the one moment in a frank capra film that's actually always gotten me even though i don't like the um well the engineered uh sentimentality of frank capra that one moment where he's weeping and say i i don't want to die i don't i want to live again it really it it, it affects you it does you absolutely know? I, I can't i can't you know so. and the thing is is that for most of america's existence uh our shared story pretty much was Christianity mm. and, um, and it I... still is in a lot of ways, but we've never had a religion on the left before, like throughout our lives, you and I, atheism yeah. was the cool thing to be because we were the, the counterculture that pushed back against the conventional religion of the, of the right, which right. had control mm -hmm. of Hollywood, you know? Um, and so that's where we were all up until this newfound religion started, which it started, I think, around uh, 2010s is when it began. And it began. Well, that's, that's what people love. Everybody knows that wokeism began uh, its, its grip upon, upon uh, the country and upon corporatism around 2017, 2018. No, it started way before the, that. It's just that it. Well, it, I know that the origins are there, and 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 Cisco and Ebert were complaining about politically correct in the '90s. We can look at that video anytime we want, but it's not what most people see. That most people see it as a, as a kind of a thing that launched or it got really serious when when Trump got it. Right. As no. No. But but the utopia building started before that. It started. Um, my daughter was living it online. It started with her generation. Create, like we talked about last time, creating this new sort of set of rules, strident social rules about putting marginalized people at the top 
and non-marginalized white men, essentially, and women at the bottom. And they grew up. And then they, and when Trump won, it was something, it was like the devil riding into Salem. Because Trump represented a guy who would say whatever he wanted, anytime he wanted, and not only didn't follow their rules, but flipped them off. And so mm -hmm. that created chaos. It created mass hysteria. It created this situation where uh, utopias can either become more authoritarian or they break apart. And our right. we're watching our utopia try to become more authoritarian and uh, in, in terrifying ways, frankly. But um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they think the solution is for Trump to go away, but that's really not the solution. The solution is for all of us to learn how to live in a country where people think and believe and say different things and you have to tolerate that um, well that's that's something i i've always been interested in doing i always feel a certain warmth when i talk to somebody i clearly do not feel aligned with but i listen to them and you know kind of make jokes with them and just see where it goes you know but yeah anything but just ah, get away from me you know condemning you know I, that's a very tedious response to yeah to life, and i, I found it to be really weird um, with a lot of people I know really well, um, mm -hmm. this this person that's been commenting on your and my site that I, we were talking about before that I had to ban, that I knew all the way back mm -hmm. in college, who is coming around like one of those Catholic ladies with a clipboard, you know, and admonishing me for what I think and say and believe and s suggesting that I obey their commands, you know, and I'm just thinking that's so weird to see that coming from the left, isn't it? It's so weird to see people yeah. who, who stand up for artistic freedom and free. Mm -hmm. you know, how can they be that way? But it's because of this new religion. They they need every, I guess people need religion and they've found this. And, I, you know, how do you know it's a religion? Because it's blasphemy to criticize a trans person, for instance. It's blasphemy yeah. to misgender them. It's blasphemy yeah. to criticize a black actress. Um, yes. So that's how you know it's religious. And it's blasphemy to push the uh, presumed Oscar fortunes of a, of a white actress because what you're really doing is taking away a nomination from a much more deserving actress of color because she's an actress of color and she gave a good performance. It's, it's, it's bad. So therefore, the people who pushed along the Andrea Riesboro thing uh, need to be schooled, need to be investigated, and really got to like get to the bottom of this. Well, I'll... I think that's one uh, faction that that's interesting way of looking at it. I definitely think that that's uh, potentially part of it, but it's also just to say the Academy members have gone overboard in recent years campaigning and in ways that I don't Sally believe. Kirkland? No, like, um, well, like what Francis Fisher did, I think crossed the line as we talked about earlier. Like, I think that, for the Academy to get together, I don't think they're going to take away her thing. Or I, I think t Twitter is misinterpreting that. I think what they're doing is what Pete Hammond said. They're just showing people that they're looking at the I'm ways listening. the ways right. members are campaigning now instead of they're not going to take away Andrea Riseborough's nomination or anything like that. Um, it's not the Academy that's acting this way, in my opinion. It's the people on Twitter in that TikTok video I sent you where that mm -hmm. it is blasphemy to push for a white actress and not a, a woman of color. It's blasphemy. It's not just pushing for the white actress and, and a kind of, a, I would call it an insurgent campaign. It was very much uh, friends of friends pushing, you know, but you were, it's, it, it's really a, um, 
it's funny, I just had this other thought. You were telling me that, was it you that said that uh, during the late 90s, around the time of of uh, Aaron Brockovich and, and Steven Soderbergh's Traffic, that uh, Clooney and some others got yeah. a kind of letter writing thing, and they said, don't vote for uh, Traffic. Put no. all your Soderbergh. The other way. Air, air. It was the other way around. But they said, but he, he didn't win for uh, Traffic, did he? Yeah, he did. But but oh what... wait, I'm sorry. This yes 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 yes. You're right. You're right. What I did was I wrote a piece um, late. You know, at the time, don't split your Soderbergh vote. Have it go one way or the other. I can't remember what it was that I. I that's right. That's right. Now it's all coming back. I was saying, don't do the Brockovich thing. Vote for his work on traffic. That is the way to solidify or you know uh, concentrate the, the Soderbergh sentiments yeah well. so maybe so, yes, George Clooney right. saw your column and wrote a wrote to privately but but that did happen and it wasn't frowned upon then that because the thing that kept happening people didn't understand why Soderbergh was missing out and when he mm -hmm. got two nominations they were like even though those two movies weren't the best of the year the best of the year according to the Academy was Gladiator and Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and um mm -hmm. But because of sentiments around Steven Soderbergh, it drew so much attention that everybody threw their votes behind him for traffic, which was weird because yeah. Gladiator won Best Picture without winning screenplay mm -hmm. or director. Crouching Tiger won the DGA, but not the Oscar for director. And Steven Soderbergh, it was a very weird year all the way around, but that's yeah. because people got involved to change. That's just like what had just happened with Andrea Riseborough. They got involved to have Academy members put their ducks in a row. So just for anybody who has been reading this chapter and verse, uh, just to summarize, uh, the there are some people upset that um, actually only three people um, uh, at heart, I mean, at the core of it, three people, uh, the uh, wife of the director of, uh, of Two Leslie, his name is, I believe, Michael Morris, and her name, his wife's name, an actress, pretty well-known actress, does pretty well. Um, now I've forgotten her last name. Mary McCormick. Uh, Mary McCormick. Mary McCormick. McCormick. M a m a c k. Uh, aided and abetted and augmented by an actress who everybody knows, Frances Fisher. And those those three people that kind of like started beseeching, pleading, writing their friends to say, as in in essence, listen, we're the little movie, we're the little engine that could or, or might and if you want to be a, a nice guy or help us out uh think about you know andrea risborough and 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 you know because other four other actors kate blanchett um um now i'm blanking everybody but um uh, everybody else is fine you know um um uh, you don't have to worry about them but we just want our little fifth spot and wouldn't you like to kind of vote for a small uh little film that that you know and, and a wonderful strong performance so and i don't see what's essentially wrong with that but you said well you have to understand that's against the rules Maybe it is it's, a, it's against the rules for them to try to put their thumb on the scale or game the system their job is to watch movies vote for them period their job is to pick that they work at their best they work when they're only picking things that they personally feel gave the best performance the it's, problem well, you know sasha it's all politics and i know but you can't friends. be that sorry it's but not you, that 
it doesn't matter that the, they have to set rules. The Academy has to say, if you want to be a voting member of this body, you have to follow our rules. And our rules are, if you're a voting member, you don't put your thumb on the scale like that on social media now because social media changed the game. It's not like a call circle like David Poland was saying. It's different. Social media can reach thousands of people. It's overwhelming. And I think that when it was Moonlight and you had people like Rod Lurie and Mark Duplass out there telling people on social media anywhere they could to vote for Moonlight, that did move the needle away from La La Land. And, um, mm -hmm. and then in the other case, you had a Parasite, same thing. Everybody, I saw Ava DuVernay out there and, and all these other people out there because yeah. they didn't want a white movie to win, vote for Parasite. And it moved the needle. Right. And so this time it mm -hmm. moved in the other direction to the white person, not the not the minority-driven film. Um, and that's mm -hmm. why I think people are upset. They weren't upset when it was Parasite or Moonlight because that went their way. But now they're upset because... But I say I was upset the whole time. I didn't think any of them should be doing that. I don't think it's it's kosher for the Academy members to be... If they don't, if they want to get into the business of punditry, get out of the Academy and don't be a voting member and be a pundit like me. That's um, Why can't you be an actor who's a voting member and be a social media pundit? Why can't Because it's, it's against the rules, because it's not fair. I don't... The hell are the rules? I just think it's Wild West out there. Put on your six it's gun, not Wild West, because if you're someone with a bigger platform, you have more of a reach. So it's not an equal mm -hmm. playing field. And people will say, oh, it's not an equal playing field anyway. That's right. But there are rules that you have to follow. And, and those rules mean, you know, you can campaign with FYC ads, you can hold screenings, um, and you can invite people to those screenings, like Ben Affleck did with mm -hmm. Beasts of No Nation. Um but you can't go around and contact members and tell them what to vote for. Period. The end. You can't do it. Warren, Warren Beatty got on the phone for with a lot of people. I read, I don't know this for an absolute fact, he got on the phone with a lot of people uh, lobbying on behalf of Halle Berry, who we had co-starred. That's in. right. But you can reach, what, 20 people maybe on the phone? You can't reach thousands of people on the phone. Thousands is what social media does. Thousands. People have hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of followers. And that's and just think not... People don't tell each, other, tell each other that I heard from Warren and he was saying this and that you don't think that gets around? I think that the Academy would shrug and think that was silly and stupid. But I think mm. that when you have a coordinated campaign like we saw with Andrea Riseborough, which is unprecedented, um, then mm -hmm. you, you're into a different territory so I, I just think that it opens up a can of worms because then everybody's going to be out there on social media. And it's just not, that's not kosher for the Academy. It's not. Um, their votes are supposed to be anonymous. And, and uh, so that's what they're doing right now is they're going to try to curtail, as they've always done throughout their existence, curtail, curtail campaigning because they've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um you know, here's another example. Jack Nicholson was known to be uh, sort of buttonholing people at gatherings. I don't know how many gatherings or whether it was just one party or whatever, saying that it would be the nice thing would be to vote for Adrian Brody. You know, and 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 um, I, I heard that he did that and, and that it was uh, it did help, you know. But you're just saying that that's meaningless because what is that, 20 or 15 That's people, different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, friends. I was advocating for Adrian Brody, too, 
you know, but right. but I'm a pundit, and that, that was, you know, I was I wanted him to win, and he gave the best mm-hmm. performance, and the pianist was surging anyway. It wasn't like it came out of the blue. The problem with Daniel Deadweiler and Viola Davis is they were both in movies that got zero Oscar nominations. None. Mm-hmm. So the, their movies had no support. I think personally people didn't want to watch Till because I think it's too depressing and painful, and so they yeah. avoided it. And I think, I think you're right. the controversy around the woman king hurt it in the end. But ultimately, I think when say, both... say specifically what it was, the controversy being that the nation in which the woman king, uh, the story of the woman king happened, which is in the 1840s, 50s, in I think it's called the Homi, uh, no longer in existence. But that was a revealed and reported uh, very convincingly, without question, that it was involved in slave trade. Mm. It was therefore part of the evil that uh, obviously traveled over to the United States and became one of the great evils of the country's history. It's like um, that wonderful monologue by Constantine Kissin about poor people and climate change. Um, mm-hmm. That's what that is, because it's like with elephant poaching or rhino horn poaching or chopping off the fins of sharks. These are very poor people. And to ask them to have compassion and to care about these animals more than they care about feeding their own children. Um, mm-hmm. It's And so and when it came to slavery, if they could make money by selling slaves, they did. Not to mention the fact that slavery was common practice back then and everywhere. It wasn't just, I mean, they act like Going it was- Going back to the ancient world. I mean, it, slavery has been unfortunately with us for millennia. For yeah, I'm, I'm reading this um, wonderful book about the Civil War, which is just in, called Battle Cry of Freedom. It's incredible. And the thing about slavery, which I didn't know, uh-huh. was that people like Thomas Jefferson um, and the Founding Fathers believed slavery was working for someone else. Like just working for someone else was considered slavery and freedom was, consi- freedom was defined as working for yourself. So for them, having slaves where they weren't paying them was better than having slaves that that they were paying or that for them to be slaves and to work as slaves. I always thought that was such a strange concept, but that's sort of how they saw Mm. it. They saw it as if you're a slave, that's your permanent condition forever. Mm. And you can't ever, you're separate from us. We're human beings, you're slaves it, and mm. I think people think it was only about race, but it wasn't. It was really just a classification of a slave because there were slaves everywhere with that same classification and went all the way back to what? The Romans, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but of course it became racism um, after the slaves were freed or, or throughout slavery and then Jim Crow because it was such an affront to them to have slaves freed. It it just threatened everything about their entire social structure that they had to put in these Jim Crow laws and basically destroy generations of black men and black women in horrible, unforgivable, terrible, terrible, unmentionable ways. Um, uh-huh. I don't know why we got on this subject, but... Um, well, let's just shift over to what... Uh, what were we talking about that brought us there? I can't even remember now. Um what were we well, talking? Well, we detoured into slavery when you. Oh, I know why. Because because the woman king, so they had this. The woman king came out, and they, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, made this movie in the first place. And for whatever reason, it was completely blanked by press on the left. On the right, they were writing about it constantly. 
on the left. Uh-huh. Nobody said anything about it. No journalist would cover it. And so it wait, went... don't that, that you're you're misstating the case. They, they they didn't say nothing about it. Number one, they liked it. It was a very positively reviewed film. They didn't touch that Dahomey thing, which is true. They didn't touch it at all. That's what I mean. Okay. They didn't touch that well, issue. You have to say that. Okay. Well, that's what I mean, is that they wouldn't right. touch the controversy, I'm saying. Um, and and right. they, so basically that started a whisper campaign about the movie and it turned people mm-hmm. off. Um, but ultimately what I think happened, and as I explained to you earlier this morning, is that mm-hmm. people assumed, because Frances Fisher told them, that all four of those actresses were safe. Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, Viola Davis, Daniel Deadweiler, and she was, they were jockeying for that fifth slot. But you make, you know, it is an extreme risk to do that because there were, they didn't factor in Michelle Williams that people wanted to be in the race because she missed out on a SAG. Who knows how many people Steven Spielberg called for that. Um, and <laughs> Anna Diarmas, you know, who people were pushing. Uh, Do- Andrew Dominic's incredibly popular in the Academy. That might have been pu- a push. And then Andrea Riseborough being pushed in. So what I think voters did was because they're being asked to vote for women based on their skin color and not their performance, they said, okay, two black actresses. Well, I can just pick one. I don't have to pick two. Mm -hmm. But they were split on which ones they picked. One picked Danielle Dunweiler and the other people picked Viola Davis and neither of them got in. It's called vote splitting. Okay, that's what happened. But again, it's dependent upon people either being ostriches with their heads in the sand or they just don't read. But it was obvious that Viola Davis was not happening because of the Dahomey history. I mean, that was clear. The, the question was, and it's really a shame that people don't you know, take a minute to educate themselves. Daniel Deadweiler should have gotten in, and Michelle Williams basically shouldn't have run at all. She would have figured, this is just not my year. It's a broad performance. Nobody really likes me. I can tell, you know, I, so why didn't I just like forget it? Well, no, for the, the Michelle Williams thing, thing you know? is never, I mean, no, because both Danielle Deadweiler and um, uh, Viola Davis have nominations in mm. the Globes, at the SAGs and at the BAFTAs. So everybody thinks that they were sure mm-hmm. bets. That's what I mean. Like mm-hmm. Viola Davis was never left off to even be seen as a weak contender to begin with. That's why people are so surprised. But mm-hmm. when you're pushing for people, we've talked about Ben Zeitlin and Michael Haneke pushing out Ben Affleck and uh, Catherine Bigelow. And it's it's usually mm-hmm. when people think that someone's a sure bet, so they don't bother voting for them. Sort of why people stayed yeah. home in 2016, because they thought Hillary was going to win. And they didn't think they had to to show up. So it's the same idea. Like they didn't think they had to push for either of those. And they didn't have someone behind the Mm -hmm. scenes like telling George Clooney, telling them to put their ducks behind one actress because it's racist to say that. According to them, it's racist to say two black actresses cancel each other out. But it's, it is simply the reality when you're asking them to vote not on merit, but on something else, which is equity and social justice. Equity, right. Mm-hmm. When you're doing that, you reduce them down to nothing more than their skin color and uh, right. or their ethnicity or what they identify as. And, and that, that takes away the their, their uh, moment to shine. That takes away their own merit, what they may or may have, mm-hmm. because they've been now reduced to like a social justice issue to serve 
people in power who want to look good. Yeah, yeah. But see, what happened, of course, uh, is Matt Deloney's column uh, where he basically quoted the director of Till as saying the following, quote, we live in a world that and work in industries that are so aggressively committed to upholding whiteness and perpetuating unabashed misogyny toward black women. Mm. And that's why we didn't see why Daniel Deadlett-Royler, for certainly one reason why she didn't get in. It's a shame. But that's what he chose to go. He basically says this, you know, saying that she's not entirely wrong, is what Bologna was was saying, that, you know, there was a kind of a cabal of, of white people who got to get racially tinged. No. He said the worst time, you know. No, come on. That... You know. Well, that's what he said. I'm just explaining, you know. Well, I, I don't think that that's um, true at all. In fact, it's it's exactly the opposite is true. But look, let's look at some basic facts here, okay? Basic facts. Mm -hmm. People identify to characters that they recognize. Why, there are more white people in the country. There are more white people in the industry. They are going to mm -hmm. react to stories about characters who are white. Moreover, characters about people who aren't white generally demonize white people. So you're asking people not only to watch these movies, be happy watching them, but then vote for them also, mm -hmm. which tells them how what pieces of shit they are. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm not so sure that's the best strategy. I don't know, um, but I think mm -hmm. that that's it's a it's a it's a thing where yes, it's terrible that for for a hundred years people who aren't white have been asked to buy into movies about the white experience because the white people are the majority. And to make money, you have to make movies that white people will be... I mean, I remember going through an era where they couldn't put a single black woman on the cover of a fashion magazine because it wouldn't sell. But people it say... It was based upon data. It wasn't, it wasn't a racist... No, quote. exactly. But My understanding it was based upon actual sales data. Yeah, and so to the young people, to the, to the Gen Z mm -hmm. activists... They think that's baked in racism, that's systemic racism. But what it really is, is just, I mean, yes, I'm not going to say it isn't, but I'm also saying that it's when people buy fashion magazines, they buy what they want to be, you know, what they want to look like, um, people that they find beautiful. And it's not rocket science to imagine that white people might identify more. I don't know. Look, I... I, I can't explain mm. it. I don't even want to go there because it's such a hornet's nest. But I will say that when it comes to the Oscars, um, they already picked films like Slumdog Millionaire, 12 Years a Slave, Moonlight, mm. uh, The mm. Last Emperor. Um, it's it's Parasite, you know, uh, to call them racist and to say that they only pick stories about white people. The opposite is true. They get punished if they pick any stories about no white man has won best director or best picture since 2018. Right. Yeah, that's right. So I kind of wish speaking of the white guy that occasionally like a movie like ordinary people or something in that vein, something about it's just about where things are for a certain portion of the public you know the wealthy people from the area of north of chicago i wouldn't mind seeing one of those occasionally just to see it but they don't make them and they won't make them anymore they're basically no they won't they've yeah. 
they've decided to protect themselves by signaling to this new religion that see they're they're good they're compliant they're not going to step out of line but the problem is it doesn't support the market because it doesn't support the majority christianity did so you had the majority mm -hmm. of people who could identify and watch these movies but if you're going to you know aim it at film twitter you know yeah. um yeah. you're not going to make any money um and the oscars There's will die named... go ahead I'm just going to say right. the Oscars, as I'm going to be writing about in my next piece, that they, they have done everything they could. Look at what happened to the BAFTAs. They took away their voting. Vote yeah, they mm -hmm. brought in these committees to pick, I mean, actors and director just to make things equitable and fair. It, it completely destroyed their credibility and anyone who gets nominated's credibility. And right. the, the Oscars have almost destroyed their credibility with their inclusivity mandate set to go in place next year, 2024. No one will ever take them seriously yeah. again or value. Never. When they see a person of color win at the Oscars, they just think that person only won because. And that's but a real shame. Inclusivity mandate. Yeah. yeah and mm -hmm. that, that takes away, right. in my opinion, mm -hmm. their, um, you know, it takes away their, their moment of joy. It takes away their success. It takes away their power, ultimately, and hands power over to mm -hmm. the people. So I think the best yeah. thing the Academy can do at this point is just to be honest, be who they are, vote for what they mm -hmm. actually believe is the best. It has to be a meritocracy. Because they're afraid, and they don't want to seem... Um, uh, they, they're, they're afraid of the, of the wrath. Of, of the Wilkesters, and, and that is why the Academy Museum is basically an apology museum because they want to make sure that everybody stands and say, realize what a brutally exploitative, and it was in many ways, brutally exploitative uh, white guy run industry. Uh, no one's disputing that, but but it's just that the apology thing has overtaken everything. The, you know, uh, you know, lashing ourselves with birch branches. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's really a shame because nothing can Here's this uh, thing, by the way, about the Andrea Reesboro thing that I was very taken with. This was posted last night, and it's from a guy named Dean Jones. He says, the Academy Awards are a competition. They're a competition. And yes, the implication from the anti-Reesboro contingent seems to be that a white actress advocating for herself or having people do it for her in the context of that competition is a fundamentally racist activity yeah. because her perceived competitors include uh, persons of color specifically two women of color and um viola davis and and um and and um, danielle De deadweiler so that's uh, that's that that really just says it very concisely well i think and that's to me that's yeah that's bullshit if that's what people think i know that that TikTok video i sent you is is this poor sad generation z person who believes that because as i told you last time we did the podcast this is their mm -hmm. new system of religion it's a cult basically it's a cult right. that punishes dissent and if you go against the rules you're going to get punished but the academy mm -hmm. has to have like the film industry has to have one foot in the real world where real people yeah. are still um mm -hmm. and I, look i don't i don't I didn't. I don't think that the Andrea Riseborough thing was uh, was good. Um, I I don't really like what Francis Fisher did. On the other hand, I also know that people like me, pundits, we didn't pay any attention to her performance. 
And so if she can't even get into the consensus of people like us, Gold Derby or whatever, how does she have a chance? You know, and so... Uh, that, well, that, that was my general feeling. I felt that the... the um, it's just someone who tries to say what is real, what is good uh, in, in films on a daily basis. I just felt that she was... Um, it was a torture just to watch that film. She's very good at it. <clears throat> but I came up with a phrase that basically... Uh, that movie, watching that movie is like taking a barefoot tour of Dante's Inferno. It, <laughs> it, it's a, it really hurts, you know, to watch that film. It's a full hour of, of, of alcoholic agony. And then, gradually, for 45 minutes, you know, it becomes, uh, you know, then it becomes something uh, more edifying, and you know, because she gradually reaches to the bottom, and she can't stand it any longer, and she awakens if, if, if you will but it's yeah very I, I, very popular. we were talking about this the other day um is that it's a weird story because i've dated alcoholics uh, my ex dear friend of mine and ex-boyfriend overdosed because he couldn't stay sober mm -hmm. and was basically drunk you know he pretended he was sober but he wasn't um i've dated mm -hmm. heroin addicts i've dated alcoholics and the thing is is that it's not that easy to just suddenly uh, quit. And this movie... For most people. For most people. But this movie for seems most, seems most to be telling us that she just decided one day. Um, she meets a guy and he helps her and, 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 uh, and she just decides. But the problem with alcoholics and drug addicts is that they prefer the drugs to the closest people to them, which the movie makes the point that, that she does. But I think that the thing that doesn't ring true to me is how quickly she becomes sober. And I just found the movie to be ultimately a shallow view of this person rather than uh, showing any sort of real understanding of who she was. That was my own well, person. It's, it's, it's only two hours. What do you want to do? Uh, relapse and, and get, fall back in alcohol? Well, I mean, did we have to I mean, see a million scenes of her acting like a terrible person? Like, okay, we get it. And and I know that the yeah, movie. So that's my point. Yeah, the movie is basically a son saying, "I forgive you, mom. I forgive you for all the uh -huh. shitty things you did." And but that to me isn't right. enough. Like I I wouldn't have voted her in my top five, but I understand that to a lot of people out there, to a lot of men especially, like they would have, and they think this is the greatest performance they've ever seen. Um, mm -hmm. but I personally thought that. Uh, Olivia Coleman was better in um, Empire of Light. She's been totally ignored um, yeah. and, and should have been one of the five. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. have put Danielle Dudweiler in there because I thought that she did. I, I don't know about Violet. Viola Davis was only there because she's Viola Davis, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, right. But. I had, a, I had a dispute, by the way, with a mutual friend of ours. And I um, just want to read you portions of. I I basically uh, said that she was she's very very good and she merited a dead wildlife, and she merited the nomination. But the movie wasn't really that good. It was just okay. Right. And uh, I went on to say that um, for me, a great alcoholic uh, movie and recovery movie is Tender Mercies because that's a Bruce um, Bruce Beresford film from '83, I think it is. And Robert Duvall, in the very beginning of that film, did about four or five minutes of drunken depravity. Horrible. Mm. And then for the other 115 minutes, gradual 
recovered with a little bit of yeah. you know, anxiety. Is it going to stick? You know, but in to, to Leslie Reesboro does a full hour's worth of drunkard depravity and then maybe 45 minutes of gradual recovery. And my point was, look, we get to the depravity, guys. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a broken record over and over. What do we derive from an hour of depravity? Uh, that we wouldn't get just as fully from say five or 15 minutes of the of, of that or, or 20 or something like that right and the response was nope you're wrong being a depraved drunk is much more dramatically interesting than being a pious person in recovery tender mercies is and always will be a watchable but not ultimately all that interesting or even moving a film it's an austere art hallmark card <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So. No, I, I disagree because here's my problem with Andrea Riseborough um, or any of these movies. I remember um, Jennifer Jason Lee playing in that movie, Georgia, where she lost all that weight. The Academy totally ignored her for it. They don't tend to like performances where it's sort of a stunt mm-hmm. performance where it's just about them and this indulgent thing of like, I lost all this weight and keep the camera on me. What for about Raging Bull? Obviously that didn't uh, that rule didn't apply they they respected his gaining weight no well it's not just about the weight are you kidding raging bull is one of the greatest performances of all time i mean he played he played the guy as a young boxer he played him as an old loser i mean that is an incredible performance that's not a one Mm -hmm. note look at my body i mean i i might add joaquin phoenix in that um for the joker but Mm um uh the thing is, is that what's interesting to watch is the struggle. It's interesting to watch someone struggle and fight for something and then overcome it. It's not that interesting to watch them roll around as a drunk. In my personal opinion, I've just, I've, you know, seen enough of it in real life. It's just, it's, it's just, it's a disgusting tragedy. But watching them uh, try to be yeah. sober and, for instance, how great is Shawshank Redemption when Red tries to get out of prison and tries to be a citizen in the world and he has to ask the guy he's working for if he can go to the bathroom and the guy scolds him, what are you, a child? You don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom. And It's just such a moving mm-hmm. scene because it shows how hard it is to live a normal life and that's what I wanted to see her do. Yeah, she builds this little shop and she's, she struggles and her son comes in and everything's fine at the end. That's just a very short scene. But to me, shopping, having dinner, acting like a normal person, doing all of these things and showing how hard it is and how easy it is to just escape back into the world of booze would be the interesting part for me. Because then you're sitting there rooting for her, you know, you're just rooting Mm -hmm. for her. And um, and this movie, I thought, just spent too much time. Anyway, bottom line is that whatever, it's over. I think that it's a mistake to put racism on it. I don't think that's fair to Andrea Riseborough or the Academy, considering everything that they've done in the last uh, five, ten years to change things, including yeah. inviting thousands of members who honestly have no business being in the Academy, frankly, um, just to sort of change their demographics so that people will stop criticizing them. It's like at what point you have to... the expansion of, of sag after, right? I mean, that really degraded the quality of the voter when that happened. Yeah, now they have 150K and a lot of them are like TV personalities. It's like, uh, okay. But um, but I think the Academy needs to still be this, the highest and the most sophisticated voting body. Now, I say this as a person who spent years calling them racists. So I own the part mm-hmm. of it that I contributed to. I contributed to a lot of this. 
Um, nobody gives me credit for it. They called me a white supremacist on Twitter and chased me around. Um, mm -hmm. And they treat me like persona non grata on there. But people who know my work know that that's what I was doing for years and years and years. It's writing about black women mm -hmm. trying to change the Halle Berry stat, you know. One black right. woman in 95 years of Oscar history is a shameful stat. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I pushed for Jennifer Lawrence last year and they could, I mean, Jennifer Hudson last year and they could have used, they could have picked her, but they didn't. So, um, well, wait a minute. You're talking about her performance in respect, correct? Yeah. But that wasn't a very good film. It was just, well, like, you do know, you think was, that Eyes of Tammy was Faye like so -so. was Eyes of Tammy Faye a good film? I don't think it was particularly good. No, no okay, I, I was there not you go. Blown away at all. I mean, it was Me strictly. Either. You got to watch her because she's giving a good performance thing. That's it. When you see situations like that, it's hard for me, harder for me to make the argument. But I, I don't go to racism anymore because I've seen the other side of it. I've seen the BAFTA of it all, you know, and, and that's mm -hmm. that's complete that's, wreckage. That's a good phrase. <laughs> well, just just end the, the awards, you know. <laughs> yeah. If, if all they want to do is give out certificates to make things equitable and fair, then don't pretend yeah. it's a contest, you know. Mm hmm. So we're going to actually, I don't think it's over because remember the, the Academy Awards are only were announced, uh, what, four days ago. Uh, so, uh, and, and the Andrea Reesboro thing is going to continue uh, for a while, I think, because uh, the, the so called Academy investigation that was announced, was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, that's going to uh, have to happen. And there has to be uh, stories about that and how long that's going to take. Well, I, 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 unlike a lot of people, I think they're doing the right thing. I don't think it's a McCarthyist. I think it's they have to look at social. Well, nor do I. They have to look at social media's influence over the last uh, few, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Oscars. It's just too. It's just too tempting to use your platforms, uh, and, you know, and, and it's it's unprecedented. We've never had a time in human history where people have this many connection to this many people. So the Oscars have to modernize and they have to figure out how they want to deal with that. Well, what is the way to deal with it? You can't uh, lobby or express yourself strongly through friends and through Well, uh, I'll tell you this. Texting you and, you, you know, certainly can't. I don't think that's right. You certainly can't send out an email like Francis Fisher did. You can say what you like on your own social media, maybe, but for Rod Lurie... And uh, Mark Duplass and these guys to be out there making it an urgent cause for people to vote for Moonlight over La La Land because they thought La La Land was mm -hmm. racist. Um, that Roddenberry actually believed that La La Land was racist because no, but he was caught things. up in the whole fanaticism that year, like everybody else. Okay. You know, I was caught up in it too. You know, is this the secret police? Are we do we have the Stasi listening to us? No, I'm saying that the Academy is a special group where a lot of careers are on the line, a lot of money is on the line, and they're supposed to make them as fair as they possibly can, free of influence. And so they mm -hmm. try to do that because anybody could, you know, look, there. Are, how many publicists are in the Academy? It's bad enough that, like, Disney only votes for Disney movies and Warner Brothers only votes for Warner Brothers movies. And, you know, they've been dealing with uh -huh. this for decades trying to make them as fair as possible. And one of the ways they do that is by admonishing their own members from participating in campaigning because you never know what their motives are. Their motives could be money. Their motives could be allegiance to the studio. You, you just never know. So it's better to just make it a blanket rule that, you know, what happens in Fight Club 
you don't talk about Fight Club, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, I don't I really think it's not right. I think that there's so much money and power concentrated at the top, as in all cultures and all businesses. Well, you have to fight. That really sh you have to allow people to say, listen, here's the little tiny movie that I think really should make it in. And if you want to hear from me about that, I think you should listen. This is a little movie that's much better. They did. They the do that, but that's not what Fran they do that all the time. But that's not what Frances Fisher was doing. That's not what she was doing. So what tradition, awful thing was she doing? She was saying basically, "This is a little movie that we really believe in." Can you do you feel the same way? No, you know? she did not say that, Jeff. Come on, that's not what she huh? did. That is not what she did. She crunched the numbers. She read a deadline P thing. Hearings? What? She, is this the McCarthy hearings? Are we being? Uh, is she being brought up before uh, a panel of inquisitors? I mean, she's just look, basically look. Here's place, the thing. From a place of heart. And, here's and the, I don't care. Here's the thing. It's not the McCarthy hearings, because this is a privilege. Voting in the Oscars is a privilege. No one's career is being taken away. No one is being canceled. Mm -hmm. No one is being held in front of a tribunal and asked to name names. This is a rule that was broken. Either she broke it knowingly or she didn't, you know. But either way, the Academy has to say, it's, it's crossing the line to contact a cat. Look, why do you think that they got into all that trouble when they posted the Robert Wise FYC ad for uh, Martin Scorsese and Variety? And they all got in trouble. Why do you suppose Nicholas Chartier... Wasn't there also a Bill Goldman? Wasn't there a Bill Goldman thing also that was posted? And Nicholas... These are both... Uh, things right yeah and remember yeah. nicholas chartier got into trouble for contacting academy members and telling them to vote for the hurt locker um yes i, I remember and he yeah. was just he was barred from the ceremony um mm -hmm. i don't even think he might not have even won his oscar maybe he did but he didn't get to go to the show so um mm -hmm. and there was some right. song category recently that got for campaigning got taken out um they're strict on those rules. You know the rules, but it's a privilege to be in the academy. If you don't like it, get out. You know, it's mm -hmm. not McCarthyism. Mm -hmm. No one's forcing anybody to do anything. Um, well, they, well, there is going to be a tribunal looking into Fisher and and uh, no, and it's McCormick. an investigation to see to look at social media influence and how. No, it isn't. It's about looking at those people. We all know that's what that announcement was about. It's not generally. That's speaking, your interpretation. I know the people oh. at the Acad I happen to know the people at the Academy and I know that that's not their aim. Oh, they just happened to announce it in the wake of the, of the uh, Andrea Reesgrove. No, they're showing people who are upset that they're going to be looking into it. They're not investigating anyone. That's such a ridiculous over exaggeration. It's an exaggeration of what they're doing. They're investigating the the idea of voting members taking to social media contacting members, organized campaigns behind the scenes. And it's the right thing to mm -hmm. do. And people can get all huffy okay. and puffy if they want. That's fine. But just remember, voting in the academy is a privilege. I understand that you're taking it to the point where you think that it's it's some sort of slight against black women or racist. And I think that some No, people... I don't think that. They think that. They on the, the monsters on Twitter say that. And some of the commenters on Hollywood Elsewhere think that. Well, they that don't think that at the Academy. Against... Okay. Mm -mm. They don't think that at the Academy. They're they're placating the uh the the yeah. the activists right. or whatever. But but Francis Fisher isn't gonna get in trouble for this. 
Um, and she but should... you know, Sasha, you know, it's not coincidence. You know that they did this. And you can ask Scott Feinberg or anybody else. They they did this in response to the Reesboro thing. And what they're saying is, of course. look, we're, we're, we're mindful of the problem. And we're going to look into it. And, uh, you know. But the problem you know, to them, crazy, but, the know. problem isn't black women got shut out. The problem is this ridiculous overt campaigning, which I happen to agree with them on that. So, um, and I've, I, I was caught, I was saying something about it back when it was moonlight 2016. I was saying, I told Rod Lurie, I cr- confronted him over email. I said, you know, you should not be doing that. That's not ethical. Mm-hmm. You know, you're putting your thumb on the scale. You're trying to, that's not cool, you know? Um, but he didn't what care. What did he say? He was just mad. He didn't care. Like he was like, screw it. He's like you, you know, why not? I can do what I want. <laughs> and, um. But I, I thought it was wrong because they shouldn't turn it into polit- politics. You know, it shouldn't be a thing about about that. And that's what it was. So, Well, for what it's worth, I'm only saying that there should be a, an exception for little engine that could movies because they have a tough time as it is. And if people want to get out there and say my little engine that could movie is has real merit and I think it really should be. Uh, you know, at least seen because probably nobody ever saw uh, the Andrea Reesboro mm, show. That's not what they did, though. Forward. They said we need this huh? number. They said we need this number to get her a nomination, two hundred and fourteen or whatever it was. Well, so they're just being practical about what the what the numbers yeah, are. Yeah, that's, that's not right. Same, man. You don't look. You don't want everybody out there doing that in the Oscars. You don't want everybody out there doing that because sooner or later the bigger fish are going to come along and eat the little fish. Do you think if Steven Spielberg wanted to put out a, some kind of campaign on social media to, to win? Well, he would dare that. No, of course not. He wouldn't, and he would be harshly criticized for it if he did. Um, and so at the end of the day, if someone gets a nomination because of that, then they don't deserve it. They deserve it if they deserve it, you know? Um, and do I think she deserved it? No, not really, honestly. I think that Daniel Deadweiler was better, and I think Olivia Coleman was better. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah. it's a it's supposed to be a matter of preference. We don't always get what we want, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. but I just I think that that it is good that they're looking into it, I, and I'm sad that people are distorting it. They, the, the Academy they can't win, you know. Mm. They can't <laughs> win. All right. All right. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, we know this is going to go on for a while, and it's certainly going to go on until the Santa Barbara Film Festival, incidentally, above and beyond this Academy investigation of the situation, because uh, it was just inconceivable that uh, Andrea Roosevelt wouldn't want to show up on stage and be gracious and be just, you know, play the role of the person who's not looking to deceitfully or uh, unfairly campaign, but, you know, she just loves what she does. You know, that whole thing that they all. Uh, zooed when they go on stage there in Santa Barbara. And of course she's going to do it. It's going to be a fascinating uh, chat. Of course, that Dave Carger is not going to touch with a 10-foot pole, but at least she'll be there. And so it'll, it'll keep going up until that point. Did she, so it's pretty, pretty much going to be a thing. You know? Did she accept it? Sorry? Did she accept it? Uh, no, I, I don't know what's happening at all. I only know that there's a very keen interest in adding her to the already large uh, group of eight um, virtuosos who are already uh, locked in, including uh, Butler and everybody. I think uh, what's so, um, what, know, it just be what's what's really going on with those actresses that championed her 
is that they understand the stress of being an older actress, an older character actress, how hard it is to get parts, how hard it is to, for that movie to be seen, how little attention there is, yeah. you know, um, with especially if you don't have a big publicity team behind you, you don't have a lot of money. That movie made like 27000 So yeah. people will see it and they'll either love the performance or not. All the Oscar mm -hmm. can do is get people to see the movie. You can't get them to vote for it or to, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a shame. It would be a shame if she had to take the punishment. It would be a shame if it wrecked her career in any way or made her into a joke, you know, um, because she is a good well, actress. I, I never thought that for a second. She's why, why would anybody say that, that they're just that, that they don't deserve, uh, you know, respect or whatever because of this campaign i mean it's just well because if people are being told to she vote says, as part of some sort of campaign thing then it doesn't feel authentic mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like they saw it they loved it they voted for her mm. it doesn't feel that way even though that's what they're intending what francis fisher should have done what they should have done is just said can you guys you know watch this movie Frances Fisher just shouldn't have said there are five slots and we're trying to get her the nomination she should have just said you know she can't get any coverage among the bloggers they have no publicity mm -hmm. so could you just please watch this movie but the mm -hmm. whole bringing in other contenders and writing down the numbers and all that that's really where she crossed over I think from just something that's fair to something that is questionable in my opinion Right now, as or as of yesterday, Leslie was playing at the Village East Angelica on Second Avenue, uh, and it's also playing. This is, it was just booked suddenly, and it's also playing at the Criterion Cinemas in New Haven. I presume it's probably in at least two theaters in Los Angeles, so at least people have a chance to see it theatrically if they want. So. Yeah. There you go. I think it's. I think that's a good thing. It's yeah. a real. It's a real good time at the movies. <laughs> it's a real. <laughs> it's a real barrel of laughs. No, um, yeah. that I think that's was yeah. Till's problem too. Like I think people just the story of Emmett Till is so unbelievably depressing that people think, mm -hmm. why would I want to go in for that? Forget it. I'm not going to watch it. Don't you think? Yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 a pretty full experience i'm i regret to say and um it, it's uh but it's it's moving as far as her performance is concerned and they do uh it's funny i had not really seen any good uh step-by-step um, -step, uh constructive documentary that, that tells the story of the emmett till tragedy but it's uh it's something I wanted to see while I was watching Chill. In other words, I wish it was more fact-driven. I wish it was more encompassing about the whole thing. But yeah. it focuses on her, her sadness, her grief, her agony, and uh, well, so it kind of, I didn't. I kind of wanted something more, more of a, a procedural, you know, something like Costa Gavras film. So, um, of the nominees now in Best Actress, I think Kate Blanchett is the best performance, um, and deserves to win. Mm -hmm. Um, I voted personally in the Critics' Choice Awards for Danielle Deadweiler because of that first scene where she sees the body of her son. Mm -hmm. And to me, she matched the level of grief that I would feel if I lost my kid. And I thought if it mm -hmm. rang true to me, I felt I felt it. It was it was 
It's probably one of the best scenes I've ever seen of a mother losing a child. And I just want to say one other thing before we move on, if we're going to move on or if we're done, we're probably done. We've done an hour. It's probably enough. I have done an hour. I, I don't think we're, we should we're always over. pushing the, the time later. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, is the real problem here is the range of roles offered to black women. Um, they're mm-hmm. really, because we talked about the fact that they're religious figures. Now there's trans people and, and black people are, uh, cons- anybody of color is considered and treated like a religious figure. So they're never really mm-hmm. given the kind of complex performances, uh, like tar, for instance, um, they're, yeah. they're always put in these positions where they always have to play good people, you know, admirable people mm-hmm. or people from history, you know, like look at these two roles. It's like one of them is about slavery. One of them is about Emmett Till, Jim Crow. Like, is there a way out of that for them? You know, Mm-hmm. Is that all that they get to play well, ever? Way, yeah. Go ahead. The one one final thing that um, Jordan was telling me about. There's a pro Woody book that's coming out, and I, you know, I said when I first heard about it, I said, another book about Woody Allen and the and the Pharaohs, and apparently it's it's not a uh, get Woody book, but it's a get the Pharaohs book. Hmm. I don't know if it's. Uh, if it is in fact that, because I'd have to, uh, you know, but basically the blurb reads, the pharaohs of Hollywood, their dark side of paradise reveals that Mira Pharaoh's, Mia Pharaoh's allegations of sexual molestation by Woody of their seven-year-old adopted daughter Dylan has roots in Pharaoh's childhood relationship with her father, John Pharaoh. And this is not uh, exactly striking as we all know this and we've all talked about this, but there there is a book that's... Uh, you know, going to be devoting itself to that whole pharaoh history. So it sounds kind of interesting. Oh, good. Um, well, it's called Marilyn Ann Moss is the author. Uh, claims to investigate me as uh, quote unquote sorted allegations against your Hollywood director dad. She didn't appear, by the way, in that uh, documentary about her father, which is not bad, not bad uh, about John Farrow, which I happen to see. I streamed it. Anyway, it uh, pulls back the curtain of what she's labeled a fairy tale Hollywood family where all was not as it seemed. Huh. So well, that's, that's kind of interesting. I follow um, Woody Allen on mm-hmm. Instagram and I follow his daughters on Instagram, certainly one of them. And mm-hmm. uh, his daughter is always celebrating him and um, putting up mm-hmm. scenes from his movies and just saying how much she loves her dad. It always makes me so sad that, that, uh, that he's this mm-hmm. he's this disappeared person now and that everybody believes it and goes along with it uh without giving him the benefit of the doubt um and that's really Dylan Farrow is the one who is driving all of that um Dylan and mm-hmm. yeah and you know she believes yeah. it. whatever happened she believes happened like she put it in her mind she believes it um but i don't know i don't think that uh that it's a right thing to do to somebody the what what we've done to Woody Allen. Well, he's still Woody Allen and he's still he's got another movie that he is coming out with and that's what was shot in Paris. And who knows when it's gonna be seen, but maybe maybe in Cannes. Maybe who knows? Uh, but uh, it'll be uh he has said that he might hang it up because he's old enough to hang it up. He's approaching it'll be 90 in three years i think it is so or two years 
Well, I'll tell you and, this. Uh, you, know, you can't stop time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish you could. <laughs> but you can't. Time yeah, well, marches. I'd like to hang in for about 10 years and not go any, any get any older. <laughs> I, I love the, the spiritual benefits of being older, but I don't particularly, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not especially enamored of, of physical aging, but who is? Well, there's this, this new movement in Canada uh, where you can sort of pick your own death, your own suicide, and um, design it. And, Who's and... talking about suicide? No, I know. I'm just saying, like, not suicide, but death, your own death. Like, one of the scariest <laughs> things about living is you don't know when you're going to be taken out or what's going to get you. You know, that that is sort of the, the suspense, the, the thriller we're all living every day. We don't know. Are we going to be shot? Are we going to get in a car accident? Are we going to choke on a peanut? Are we going to get electrocuted? Is our heart going to stop? Um, are we going to die in our sleep? Are we going to suffer? Are we going to be murdered? Like all of these things, you just don't know. So it's you're you're living with this big question mark every single day of your life. But there's this thing in Canada where you can, you know, plan and orchestrate your own death. And of course, the conservatives are very upset by this because they're religious and they think it should be up to God. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it would be better if we could all decide when we wanted to die. What's wrong with that? Well, there's something fundamentally wrong about surrendering the gift of life to me. Yeah. As much as I know it's going to be that the end is always humiliating and it's always awful in one way or another, there's something about there's something extremely noble about fighting on that um, I know that's a very, very conservative thing to say, but I just find it uh, abhorrent. I understand wanting to be freed of all the anguish, I don't. I don't have any argument or dismissal of that viewpoint, but I, the idea of of just surrendering it, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know. What about uh, I, I if you get? A, you know, but do you want to live with dementia and Alzheimer's? Like. No, no. I. That's why I say I totally understand it. I get it. It's totally. You know. Uh, you know, just as I was saying them one time. You know, there's almost something to be said, given what happens to you when you get really old. Is there was almost something to be said for being shot in Dealey Plaza. At least it's boom, and it's over. Alrighty. All right, well, have a great Saturday. Okay, you too. Thanks for listening to Oscar Poker. You can find more of Jeffrey Wells' writing at hollywood-elsewhere.com Sasha Stone, awardsdaily.com Diary.